following is a continuation in our series looking at the effects of sin on areas of our lives and how Jesus seeks to speak into them. We hope you enjoy. All right, y'all can take a seat. So Genesis 1. 26 to 27. Tonight we're actually going to be reading two verses that we have already spent some time covering this semester because I think they're actually very important to our topic this evening. And we're going to jump in tonight studying something that we actually teed up last week during the conclusion when we were asking what is one of the most important questions that y'all are asking in the world today? And that question is about identity. Who am I? The culture is always trying to tell you That you need to identify however you want to. That the world is yours and you need to live your life, your truth. And that's at the core of who you are. It's whatever you define it as. So we're going to be talking about identity. So let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing upon this evening. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would be with us as we open your word. As we look at just how selfish we can be because of sin. Lord, we ask that you would help us to look to you for our identity. We ask that you would help us to look to you for answering the question of who we are, because we belong to you, Lord. I pray that all these students would see that. I pray that we as leaders would see that as well. I pray that you would encourage us this evening. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite writers is by the name of Eugene Peterson. In his book, Run with the Horses, he reminds us of some of the ways that modern life tries to depersonalize us and degrade us. And we can almost become like a number instead of an actual person. This is what he writes. He says, I am frequently and authoritatively treated impersonally. I begin to think of myself in the same way. I consider myself in terms of how I fit into statistical norms. I evaluate myself in terms of my usefulness. I assess my worth in response to how much others want me or don't want me. In the process of going along with such procedures, I find myself defined by a label, squeezed into a role, functioning at the level of my social security number, It requires assertive, lifelong effort to keep our names in front. No one can assess my significance by looking at the work that I do. No one can determine my worth by deciding the salary that they will pay me. No one can know what is going on in my mind by examining my school transcripts. No one can know me by measuring me or weighing me or analyzing me. Call my name, is what he says. Essentially what he's getting there is he's trying to figure out who he is. He's not what he does at his job. He's not what he makes at his job. He is a person, and he is made in someone's image. And he, being a pastor and a very prolific writer, knows that he belongs to Jesus, and that is his identity. Jesus has given him a name, and he wants to be known by that identity. So again, last week we ended with that question that we're so desperately seeking to answer. Who am I? And we don't like other people telling us what we should be or who we should be which is honestly a bit ironic if you think about it, because what is the culture constantly telling you? They're trying to tell you who you're supposed to be and how you should act. But they're also saying things like, you need to define yourself. You need to live your own truth. You need to go and be the best version of yourself. Can both of those exist? No. In fact, they come into stark conflict with one another. If we're living our truth and it goes against someone else's truth, what happens? Like, oh, well, that, that, that can't be true then. There's this dichotomy. There's this bucking against of what the culture is saying and what they want us to believe and reality. 
And the reality is that we have sin in our hearts, and we are always going to seek to define ourselves based on sinful principles unless we go to the Bible and seek to understand our identity in Christ. Our identity is important because it drives us. Identity is foundational. It affects everything that we do and everything that we say. So tonight, here's our main point. Who we are should always be directed by who Jesus says we are. Who we are should always be directed by who Jesus says we are. So, first question for tonight. How has the fall deformed identity for us? Let's look at Genesis 1, 26-27. And it says this. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This passage that we've touched on so many times on Wednesday nights is our foundation for who we are. And who does it say we are? You can answer this out loud. It's a very standard Bible answer. Who do we belong to? God. He says we're made in his image. So our identity... Our created identity as His creation should be in what? In the fact that we are made in His image. That we are image bearers. That we reflect our Creator. We don't start anywhere else. We have to start there. And as I've said so many times, when we have that, that means we all have dignity. That means we all have worth. That means we all have purpose. It means that every one of us is valuable in God's eyes because we're made in His image. Yet the problem comes with sin. What does sin do with that? This beautiful thing of being made in God's image. Sin does what? Destroys that image. It taints that image. It makes it ugly. And Jesus was sent on this rescue mission to reclaim that for us. He was sent on this rescue mission to come and die on the cross so that we could see that, yes, even though I have sin in my heart, I am bought with a price. And I do have worth because I am made in the image of God. We forget that we're made in the image of God because of our sin. Sin took something good and beautiful, and it made it about us. It made it about ourselves, when it should have been about God and what He has been doing. I'm going to invite Luke to come up and read Genesis 11. We read this just a few weeks ago, but we're going to read the story of the Tower of Babel, because I think this is actually one of the very first parts in history where we actually see this whole idea of people trying to make something of themselves, trying to, to make themselves who they want themselves to be. So Genesis 11, 1 to 6. Starting in verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. At the Tower of Babel, we see people that are wanting to make a name for themselves. They're going to define themselves by this accomplishment. At the core, they're seeking to make this identity centered on how they want people to see them. 
And herein lies the problem. People who are made in the image of God are trying to make an image of themselves. Both of those things cannot be true. Only one can. Being made in the image of God did not cease at the fall. The problem is that at the fall, we either don't see that we're made in the image of God, or we see it as this fluid thing that we can kind of mold and shape to be what we want it to be. Pride is at the very core of this. Do any of y'all struggle with pride? You're teenagers. Every single one of you should be raising your hands right now. Okay? We're all prideful. We all want what we want. Naturally, we are all self-centered individuals. And that comes from what? That comes from the fall. That comes from sin. That picture being made in God's image, something to reflect something greater, has now become about us and what we want and what we desire. Eve saw the fruit and what did she do? She desired it and went for it. Adam, when he saw her eating the fruit, what did he do? He didn't stop her. He ate it too. Okay? They saw what they wanted with their eyes and they went after it. We are the same way. As prideful individuals, because of our sin, we want what we want. So as we wrestle with something like identity, we have to understand that pride is always going to be fighting against us as we wrestle with what the Scriptures say about identity. The fall has taken something beautiful, which was supposed to be about our relationship with God, and is making it about our relationship with ourselves, with our selfish selves. So often, we can confuse our behavior with identity. Think about a courtroom. A judge may say something like, you have stolen something, therefore you are a thief. Or you have killed someone, therefore you are a murderer. Or you have lied about something, therefore you are a fraud. And there is some truth in statements like that. But we're all frauds. We're all murderers. We're all thieves. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And there's a difference if you think about the verbiage of that. We start with our sin because that's ingrained in us at the fall. Okay? And what God is doing, and what we're about to jump into here in 2 Corinthians 5, God wants to shape that image and say, you belong to me, therefore something has to give. Something about us has to change. And the wonderful thing is that we're not the ones that make that change happen. God is the one that works that in us. He makes us a new creation. Okay, so at the fall, we lost this sense of being made in the image of God, but the beautiful thing is that Jesus wants to reframe that for us and help us to see the right way of how we view identity and how we view ourselves. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21. And Phyllis is going to come and read that for us. Okay, it says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right, so why did Jesus come? Raise your hands. I want to hear sins. Okay, to save us. So on the other hand. So why did Jesus come? What else? 
okay, to prepare the way for us to go to eternity, right? Why did Jesus come? Okay, because we're sinners. Jesus came to reverse the curse that happened at the fall. We see that in Genesis 3 when God gives us the promise of the one who would come and crush the head of the serpent. So Jesus is coming to reverse everything that was lost at the fall. So when we read this passage in 2 Corinthians, we actually see that. So Jesus makes us a new creation. He takes what is broken. He takes what is twisted. He takes what has been made into this ugly thing. And he restores it. Now, we still have sin in our hearts. We're still going to sin. But he is drawing us to himself in such a special way that shows us that we belong to him. Which was the whole purpose of being made in the image of God, right? Belonging. We belong to him. We are his The Apostle is teaching here that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's reestablishing that image for you and me. And sometimes that's hard because sometimes that image is not who we want to be. And that's our selfish, prideful self bucking against what God is telling us. Sometimes we don't like who God is making us to be. Sometimes we have desires. Sometimes we have wants. Sometimes we have sins that we struggle with where we don't like what God has to say about those things. But God is speaking into those things and saying, no, start with me. Start with the fact that I am recreating a new image in you. I'm drawing you to myself. Ezekiel describes this in Ezekiel 36 by saying that God removes a heart of stone from us and he replaces it with a heart of flesh. If you think about the imagery there, if you take a stone in your hand, you can't do a whole lot with it. You can't like mold it and shape it into something else. But with something like flesh, it's malleable. God can shape us. And he's the one that shapes us. We don't shape ourselves. So Jesus answers our question of who am I? And what's the answer? We are his. We belong to him. When we look for that image outside of what we were created to be, it's always going to fall short. Whatever you identify as, if you say, I am this, I am X, Y, Z, whatever it is, all those things are eventually going to fall short and going to leave you completely unsatisfied. The only thing that will ever truly give us true satisfaction and true identity is the fact that we are made in our Creator's image. And He loves us enough to give that to us. He loves us enough to instill that inside of us. One writer, Sarah Barrett, she writes on the Gospel Coalition, and she writes this, When our default responses to important questions of identity focus more on us than God, we settle for answers that mimic the world's self-focused approach. So anything short of seeing our identity in Christ is always going to fall short. It's always going to be self-centered. Jesus reconciles what is broken for you and me. He does that because of his love. He does that because he cares for us. And I don't want you to miss this. In verse 21, he says, and this is one of, I think, one of the most beautiful verses that Paul has written in the New Testament. He says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our sin, something that became our identity at the fall, and He takes that on Himself, and He gives us the identity that we lost at the fall. And that's something we can never do for ourselves, because of our brokenness. Barrett continues in that article, she says, The greatest power and beauty of the image of God is found in the character of God whose image we bear. Our understanding of identity is enriched and made secure as we plunge deeper into the depths of God's goodness, His power, and His wisdom. The more we know God, the more secure our identity will be. 
created in the image of a perfect and holy God and shaped by His hand, we can rest securely knowing that the DNA in our bodies and all the days of our lives were written before our hearts began beating. And the one who wrote the script is sovereign over all. Now, the conversation of identity. Most of the conversations around something like identity fall into the categories of the LGBTQ plus worldview. Identity is actually a lot bigger than that. There is a growing trend, especially in y'all's context, where this really is a growing trend. The statistics on this are actually pretty fascinating. So Gallup does these polls. They're very famous for their polls that they do. And they have found that identifying in these categories, the LGBTQ plus self-identification, has doubled every generation since 1946. Which means it started very, very low, like 0.0-something percent. And now it's up to 7% of people identifying in this way. Okay? And as Christians, our hearts should break for that because it's, it's a flaw, our view of self. It's a flaw in our view of sexuality, which we're going to touch on next week. It's a flaw in the way that God has created how men and women are made. And we don't need to look at that with judgment. We need to look on it with sympathy. This is a worldview problem. Like We look at the world, and we look at how we want to be, and, and we plunge into things that aren't helpful for us. We plunge into things that are not good for us. Our culture preaches tolerance so much, but it's never tolerant when it comes to the identity issue. Christians are ostracized for their view on things like identity. You are going to be ostracized if you hold a biblical sexual ethic. We see this all over the world. And I'm not going to preach doom and gloom because I think the Lord is doing fantastic things in this area. But if we are going to identify the way that the Bible tells us to identify, then the world is going to hate us. The world is going to persecute us. And maybe you've experienced that a little bit in your schools. Maybe you've experienced that with your friendships. Because the world is telling you, live however you want. Live your truth. Live by your own rules. We so easily identify with our sin rather than with our Savior. And that's at the core of identity. Finding our identity in something that's fluid and changing all the time is not helpful for us. Because identity is something that's supposed to be foundational, something that's supposed to be strong, something that's supposed to be consistent. And if it's in something that changes however we're feeling every day, then it's always going to fall short. Barrett continues, beginning a theology of identity with who we are leaves out the most important piece of the story, who God is, and it has to start there. And that's why we always go back to Genesis 1, 26-27. Because what that does is it reminds us that no matter how I'm feeling in this moment, no matter what I want to be in this moment, no matter where I want to be tomorrow or the day after that, God is consistent. He does not change. He loves me. He has created me in His image. That's my identity. This is the core of who we are. An identity outside of him will crumble because it's based on a weak foundation. So my encouragement to y'all tonight is we wrestle with this whole picture of identity. And there are a million ways that we can identify. Infinite amounts of things that we can identify as. And a lot of those things are good. A lot of those things are helpful. I identify as a father. I have children. If I didn't identify as a father, y'all should report me because I'd be neglecting my children. Like I identify as a pastor. I, I love Shepherding y'all. I love teaching y'all. If I didn't find identity in that, then I probably wouldn't be doing very good at my job. So there are good things that we find identity in, but at the core, we have to start with our image 
being found in our Creator. Who we are should always be directed by who Jesus says we are to be. So let's pray, and we'll go into small groups and unpack this. This is a very deep topic. We've barely even scratched the surface on this thing, because there's all sorts of rabbit trails we can go down. There's all sorts of other topics that we can intertwine with this. But this is just to kind of get the conversation started. Uh, But these are important topics, because they show how the fall has deformed them, but how Jesus is reforming their hearts. So let's pray, and we'll go to small groups. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time, and I just ask that you be with these students, be with us as we engage in this conversation about who we are. Lord, help us to see that your gospel shapes everything that we do and how we live, and it changes us. You've made us into new creation. So I pray that you would help us to see how that plays out in our lives and how we so desperately seek to find identity in things that are just not helpful to us. I just pray that you would help these students to rest in their identity in you. Lord, it's such a hard thing for us to do on a consistent basis, but I pray that you would teach us tonight. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WYM.